Want a better life? Then you need better sleep. And if you want better sleep, you need the Dream Cloud Hybrid Mattress with five layers of comfort, support, and cooling for the sleep you deserve. Order your Dream Cloud Hybrid Mattress today and get $799 in savings and accessories with your purchase. Enjoy free shipping and returns, a lifetime warranty, and a 365-night trial. Visit dreamcloudsleep.com today to experience your better life on a Dream Cloud. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice-cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now I want to start off with a little bit of housekeeping this week, just uh, a touch on last week's episode to do with the World War II bombers. And I just wanted to draw attention to a couple of mistakes that I made in that episode. Um, one was talking about the uh, B-17 um, and confusing that with the B-52. Now, I think this was something that well, it's, it's easy enough to do um, when I'm talking about the B-17. If I, if I do mispronounce it as the B-52, obviously I am still talking about the B- B-17. So I do apologise for that mistake. It's not something I noticed um, during recording. Um, and the other one is um, the payload on British bombers, I said, was £14,000. Um, we in Britain say £14,000, or if we were saying £1,400, which uh, a lot of Americans say, um, we don't say that, we would say £1,400. Um, in sort of, I would say, possibly my naivety, um, I tend to try and Americanize a lot of things, Um Purely from the basis that uh, 90, 96% of my listeners um, are from the United States. So um, I know I did mispronounce £1,400 instead of £14,000. Um, the payload on the two British bombers from last week's episode were £14,000. Um, I did have a review that reflected this um, and pointed out these mistakes. Obviously, this guy still gave me a four-star review. This is Bilbo61. So, you know, there can't have been that bad mistakes. I think it was just merely a point of just saying, oh, I don't know if you realised that. So I appreciate that, and I have re-listened to the episode. So thank you for pointing that out to me. It's not uh, it's not something I, I intended on doing. Um, the other review I had was from Ray J from Florida. Um, brilliant Um Brilliant review, five stars. Dan, I appreciate your originality woven into each podcast. Most episodes are heavily researched, even though I occasionally have a little bit more to add. Now, this happens quite a lot. Um, I do tend to skim over certain facts. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love it. If you guys research in afterwards and find out little extra things, then that's that's what we're here to do. You know, I'm I'm here to give you an an idea of certain parts of history and uh, it's up to you if you want to pursue that and and look further so I I love that I love hearing that people are looking at at things and then going oh actually he's missed this bit out or he could have mentioned this you know because that means you're putting your own research in um, and that that means obviously I've had a had a good effect on you Um, and then the other the other point of uh, the Englishman perspective um, I I do obviously give a, a bit of an Englishman perspective um, on a lot of things uh, that might not be uh, thought provoking, it might not be it might not be uh, welcomed by some of you guys, but uh, unfortunately, being English, uh, that's what you're stuck with, and that's why you guys come back and listen. You know, you guys listen to me every week, so I'm obviously doing something right. Um, this week 
we are starting with a little bit of a sad one um, for those of you who don't watch the news um, or haven't got Facebook or anything like that um, you might not be aware but I'm pretty sure everyone in the entire world knows um, that sadly last week we lost uh, His Royal Highness Prince Philip the Duke of Edinburgh um, he passed away at the age of 99 now I did have a episode planned for this week but with this news I think it's uh, more fitting to basically talk about this man's life and what he did for this country so the way I'm going to present this is I'm going to start with basically a timeline of his life um, and then we're going to talk about some of the more charitable things that he did um, most recognisable possibly the Duke of Edinburgh award um, in this country uh, something that I have done bronze, silver and gold um, and actually met the man himself when uh, I was presented with my gold Duke of Edinburgh so um, it's uh, definitely something that's important um, he was a very important figure in this country and I think the man deserves um, the respect that we're going to show him in this episode um, so we shall start like I said with Prince Philip now he was actually born uh, in 1921 on June the 10th so he was only a few weeks away from his 100th birthday uh, he was born Prince Philippus uh, of Greece and Denmark so he was not actually born in England and he is not English uh, he was born to Prince Andrew of Greece and Prince Alice of Battenberg uh, in the family home of Monrepo on Corfu Island. Um, he's actually the youngest of five children. Now, there were he had four older sisters. Uh, one of his sisters uh, sadly died in a plane crash when he was 16 years old, um, possibly the sister he was closest to. Um, and he, he sort of had a bit of a fear of flying, um, something he overcame. If you have seen, um, I can't remember the name of the show, uh, The Crown on Netflix, uh, you can see he does overcome his fear of flying and absolutely loves it and, and becomes a, a qualified pilot. Um, so he, he sort of took quite a lot of tragedy at a young age. Um, by December of 1922, an 18-month-old Prince Philip was smuggled out of Greece um, in an orange box and that's not an orange as in colour that is an orange box that carries oranges um, he was evacuated from Greece on a Royal Navy ship after King Constantine I of Greece was forced to abdicate so there was a lot of turmoil going on in Greece at this time the following year the family actually settles in Paris in France um, but Prince Philip's mother Princess Alice uh, starts to suffer uh, from mental health she becomes very eccentric and very religious and to the extreme when we're talking with religion she she is actually diagnosed uh, in 1930 with schizophrenia because of this in 1928 prince philip uh, actually travels to england to live with his grandmother and his uncle um, because obviously there's a lot of things going on um, and with his mum uh, being diagnosed she was actually committed to a santorium uh, in Switzerland for two years um, his father Prince Andrew uh, lived out in the French Riviera um, and he was sent to Cheam Prep Preparatory School or Prep School in the UK which is a pretty posh school um, at the age of 12 he spent two years in South Germany in a school uh, two years sorry two terms in Salem School in South Germany uh, ran by Kurt Hahn Kurt Hahn is the man who inspired said award that I mentioned earlier the Duke of Edinburgh award so at the age of 12 the man is uh, thinking long term at 12 years old he's you know he's inspired by somebody from such a, a young age in 1934 uh, Philip starts at Gordonstown School uh, in Scotland. Now, this is a, quite a strict school, um, and he did really, really well in this school. He became head boy and captain of the cricket team and the field hockey team. Um, this is something that Prince Philip did throughout his entire life was sports. He was very, very into sports. 
um, his entire life, even to the point that if you look now at the royal family, um, Prince William is part of the FA, which is the Football Association, um, which is something that's run all the football in this country. So um, the royal family are heavily involved in sport and, and have been pretty much since Prince Philip and uh, Prince, uh, Princess Elizabeth uh, got married. Uh, November 1934, Prince Philip and Princess Elizabeth both attend the wedding of Philip's cousin, Princess Mariana, and Elizabeth's uncle, George. He was Duke of Kent at the time, and this was at Westminster Abbey. Now, two years later, um, Britain went through a bit of a... Well, 1936 was a bit of a turmoil year for Britain, and it's something I will cover on a separate episode. Um, George V died and he was succeeded by his son. Now his son was actually Edward VIII. Believe it or not, this is our Queen's uncle. Okay, he is not the he's not the Queen's father. Now he is actually monarch. He was King of England for eleven months, um, and then he later, at the end of the year in December. He abdicated the throne. Now, he abdicated the throne because he fell in love with an American woman named Wallace Simpson. And Wallace was a divorcee. This is something at the time that was very frowned upon in the royal family. I'm just going to throw this one out there because I do want to make the point that two times now in the last hundred years, an English prince or an English monarch has fell in love with an American woman, and it's ended very badly. Um, I think Americans need to stay out <laughs> of our royal family. Um, didn't work well for King Edward, and it didn't work well for Harry. So, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's got their own opinion on that, um, and I'll leave my opinion to myself, um, but I think we've all probably realised I'm a bit of a royalist, so anybody who says something bad about the royal family, I'm not a huge fan of them. Uh, later, the following year, May 1937, the coronation of George VI. Now, this is Queen Elizabeth's father. He was not born to be king. This would be like Harry taking the throne from William. He was not born to be king. He did not want to be king. He had a speech impediment that severely crippled um, the, his public speaking and things like that. Um, but yet he was thrust into that position and in May 1937 both Princess Elizabeth and Prince Philip were among the congregation to watch him be crowned. Later that year, like I said uh, earlier in, in the episode, uh, Princess Cecile, his sister, um, died in a plane crash and he attends the funeral in Germany uh, in November 1937. Um, in the run-up to the start of the Second World War in 1939, Prince Philip joins the Royal Navy. Um, he starts his career at the Britannia Royal Navy College in Dartmouth, where he wins two prizes for being the best cadet. So this is a, a young Prince Philip. And later in that year, 1939, both Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret go on a tour of the Royal Naval College in Dartmouth, where they are escorted around by Prince Philip. And this is where our Queen falls in love with the man that will be her husband for 73 years. In 1940, Prince Philip joins the battleship HMS Ramil, uh, I'm not sure if that's pronounced right, um, but it's R-A-M-I-L-L-I-E-S, so I'm going to pronounce it as Ramil, uh, in 1940 in Colombo as a midshipman. So he doesn't join as a, a high rank. He doesn't join as anything other than a normal man would join in the Royal Navy. And he spends six months on the Indian Ocean. The following year, January 1941, he serves on HMS Valiant in Alexandria and two months later is mentioned in dispatches for his actions during the Second World War in the Battle of Matapan after spotting an unexpected enemy vessel with searchlights. He's later awarded the Greek War Cross of Valour. So this is a war hero. 
If it wasn't for him, they possibly wouldn't have spotted those ships and they wouldn't have won the battle. 1942, Prince Philip rises through the ranks and becomes one of the youngest officers in the Royal Navy. He's made first lieutenant and second in command of ship HMS Wallace. The following year, 1943, HMS Wallace is dispatched to the Mediterranean and provides cover for Canadian beachheads on Allied landings in Sicily. Now, during the war, Prince Philip actually stays with the royal family a number of times when he's at home on leave and during Christmas. Um, Princess Elizabeth places a photograph of him on her dressing table in 1943. And this is where it's almost said that she sort of fell in like I said she's already sort of fallen in love with him but she's willing him to come home she wants that's her man and she wants him to come back from war same as everybody else um, in this situation and this is one thing that I think is very very important for people to realize when um, they talk about the royal family is how much they actually do for us you know they they put their lives on the line same as a normal citizen and you know they don't have to this is something that I, I think is is missed by a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of people in this country do criticise the royals, um, but at the end of the day, they they are just like us. And when they do things like this and join the armed forces and put their life on the line like a normal civilian, um, to me that shows that they are in touch with people and, and they understand they understand what what goes on you know they understand real life and they're not these hierarchies that people make them out to be um towards the end of the war uh, philip was actually in tokyo bay when the japanese surrendered so um in fact there's a very famous speech uh, where prince philip uh, visits japan a few years later um as the duke of edinburgh um, and he's asked, oh, is this your first time in Japan? And he actually has to say, yeah, 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 it's my first time. Um, he, he can't actually say, well, no, I was here when you guys surrendered in, this, in the Second World War. Um, he was actually in the Pacific Fleet when the bombs were dropped as well, when the nuclear bombs were dropped um, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He was he was there. So, um, you know, he, he, was, he, he was a war hero. You know, um, in 1946... Um, he returned to the UK spending time at naval schools um, and he asked George VI for Princess Elizabeth's hand in marriage that year as well. On February the 29th, 1947, uh, Philip renounces his rights to the Greek throne and becomes a British subject. He becomes Lieutenant Philip Mountbatten. Uh, July 1947, the engagement of Lieutenant Philip Mountbatten to Princess Elizabeth is announced to the public. And November that year, Philip marries Princess Elizabeth at Westminster Abbey, and he becomes Duke of Edinburgh, Earl of Merioneth, and Baron Greenwich shortly before his wedding. So, uh, quite a long title, but uh, we know him as Prince Philip or the Duke of Edinburgh. Um, the Duke attends a Royal Navy College staff at Greenwich in 1938. Uh, so 1938. See, this is where we make mistakes. 1948. And for those of you who are a step ahead of me, later in that year, 1948, uh, Prince, uh, Princess, sorry, Princess Elizabeth gives birth to Prince Charles, the future King of England. Uh, 1949, Philip is appointed first lieutenant and second in command of HMS Checkers operating from Malta in the Mediterranean fleet. In 1950, he is promoted to lieutenant commander and then appointed in command of the frigate HMS Magpie in Malta. So he is still in the Royal Navy. He is still serving his country even though the war has finished and he has just married the future Queen of England. Uh, October 1950, Philip and Elizabeth's second child, Princess Anne, is born, and the Duke and Princess Elizabeth return home from Malta to Clarence House, and Philip leaves the Navy in 1951, and this is because of King George the Sixth's uh, deteriorating health. So he's starting to get ill and he realises that Princess Elizabeth 
is going to have to take on more royal responsibilities as the time goes on, which means he needs to be there for the children. In 1951, uh, later in 1951, Elizabeth and Philip make their first major tour together, and they go to the Canada and they go to the United States in October and November, and the Duke is made a privy councillor. This is just a role in the royal family. The following year, February the 6th, 1952, George VI dies. Now, he actually dies while they are on tour in the Commonwealth. They're in Kenya, and it is Prince Philip that finds out first. Prince Philip gets a phone call, and he is the one that has to tell the Queen that her father has died and that she is now Queen of England. Um, June the 2nd, 1953, the Queen is uh, crowned at Westminster Abbey. This is traditional that there is a long period in between the King and Queen. Um, maybe the length for this one is slightly slightly long it's over a year from when uh, George VI dies to Elizabeth II being crowned but um, you know it, it, there is quite a lengthy gap I'm not 100% sure on the reasons why um, but there is so that's why if you're sort of thinking hang on a minute that's over a year between king and queen that's why there it is quite a quite a common occurrence um, the Duke of Edinburgh obviously now is in a situation where he has to be the only the second man in history to be married to a queen of england so when you look back through british history british queens uh, have never had a husband who has performed a role like the duke of edinburgh the only queen who has had that was queen victoria and her husband albert all previous queens of england did not have someone in that role. Now, at this time, when Elizabeth is crowned, he is still the Duke of Edinburgh. He actually remains the Duke of Edinburgh until 1957, and that's when he's given the title of Prince of the United Kingdom. So up until that point, he is just the Duke of Edinburgh. He's not Prince Philip, or not Prince Philip of England. He's still technically Prince Philip of Greece, um, even though he did renounce his claim to that throne. Um, in 1956 as well, he does uh, launches the Duke of Edinburgh Award. And like I said, this is something in this country. The Duke of Edinburgh Award consists of three awards, bronze, silver and gold. And they are mainly for um, teenagers uh, going into young adulthood. And they they require three different factors. One is an expedition, which is, for those of you who don't know, is basically a long walk. It's orienteering with a map and camping and living out in the wilderness for three days for your bronze, four days for your silver, and I believe a week for your gold. I did three, four in a week. I think you can get away with five days for your gold. Um, you also have to do um, a sport where you have to regularly attend every week for a period of time and this gets progressively harder as you go through and you also have to do a charitable event or a chari work for a charity so this can be working in your local charity shop I did uh, things like litter picking with the local communities um, things like that this is where you could get that and I also had a slight advantage with my gold and because I already had a level one coaching badge for American football and I used this to coach American football this kind of classed towards my um, charity because it was uh, voluntary um, but either way it's uh, that's how you do it and and you then get an award and employers uh, especially when I was in a position where I was interviewing people for jobs I would look at someone who told me they had a Duke of Edinburgh award this would be somebody who I would interview regardless of the rest of their CV uh, for Americans that's a resume um, whatever they had on their CV if they had Duke of Edinburgh Award, bronze, silver or gold or all three, they were getting an interview regardless. So um, it is something that employers do look quite favourably on. 1960, uh, possibly one of the most famous princes in the world right now. Prince Andrew is born. Uh, I'll leave that one 
right there and we'll talk no more about that one. Uh, 1961, uh, the Duke becomes the first president of the World Wildlife Fund or the WWF. Um, it's becoming its national, uh, sorry, the international president in 1981. So he is the president in the UK and he becomes the international president in 1981 um, the problem with Prince Philip is he was upper class British and they like hunting so being president of a world wildlife fund and also going out and hunting tigers while you're in India is probably not a good idea so there was a bit of criticism about this um, about him being the right man for the position, but hey, he's Prince Philip, he's a royal family, um, he can sort of get away with what he wants. Uh, 1964, Prince Edward is born, he is the last of the royal, uh, the royal family, um, he's the last of the Queen's sons, not last of the Queen's children, to be fair. Uh, 1970, uh, oh, sorry, 1971, the Duke gives up Polo. Now, this is, uh, yeah, it's a strange one. Now, he actually got a lot of controversy for this because they, uh, as obviously inflation happens and um, things get more expensive to live and so on and so forth, the royal family are paid for by the British taxpayer. The 1970s are no different to any other year. Things got more expensive. Unfortunately, the royal family did not get a pay rise in their taxes. And Prince Philip went on international TV in America and said, I can't believe it. I can't believe we've not had more money given to us. We're not even going to be able to play polo this year. Yeah, screams of upper class and screams of someone who was... a. Uh, not really aware of the situation in the country at the time. However, it also screams of someone who, and I'm going to put it nice, well, no, I'm not going to put it nicely. He screams of someone who doesn't give a shit about what people think. And this is kind of who he was. He was very, very prim and proper. And if he didn't like you, if he didn't like something or anything, he told you. He was not backwards in coming forwards. And to me, this made him a little bit more down to earth than a lot of royals that we see or have seen throughout history. Um, obviously, like I said, he did things that were controversial. And at the end, I'm going to go through a list of controversial quotes that Prince Philip may or may not have said. Some of them are not backed properly, um, but we can pretty much assume that he did say a lot of these. But this is because he he wasn't he didn't go through the same upbringing as the royal family he didn't go through the same upbringing as the queen um you know he was smuggled out of his country in an orange box he was um shipped from country to country until he was you know 15 years old he his sister died at 16 um he had a very very hard upbringing very difficult um and he didn't come up with the privileged side like a lot of the royal family you know he joined the navy at, at 17 18 years old he went to war for his country in fact not even his country um he went to war for britain even though he was greek you know this is something that he you know he just he, he doesn't scream your average royal and what you think about when you think of the royal family prince philip was not your standard royal and that's why this country is 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 in mourning you know a lot of people i know a lot of people aren't i know a lot of people don't care about the royal family and i know that people listening to this are going to go well i don't care about the royals well tough shit you're listening to my podcast and i care about them um so if you don't like it don't listen come back next week when there's a different episode um but you know to me this is why he was so important to this country we're going to move on. We're going to move to 1981, where Prince Charles marries Lady Diana Spencer. This is very controversial. Their entire their, their entire marriage was controversial. Um, but in 1982, Prince William was born. And now, uh, future king, Prince William, is there is now a bloodline. You now have three heirs to the throne. 
um, which is important when we're looking at at the royal family. Uh, later in that year, uh, Prince Andrew comes back from war uh, in the Falklands. He again, again, another royal that joined the joined the the military. Nineteen eighty four, Prince Harry is born, and uh, the Duke in nineteen eighty six. Uh, well, I'll leave this one. He makes a remark on a state visit to China in 1986. And we shall cover that. But I shall cover that at uh, at the end because it's, uh, it's not, the, uh, not the greatest quote he ever said. I've just realised I've missed something uh, in 1979. Um, and that is the death of the uh, Duke of Edinburgh's father, Lord Mountbatten. Um, he actually was assassinated by the IRA. Um, the IRA is a subject that I will cover, um, but I need to cover it in a way that it's not gonna put me in crosshairs from either side because I do think there are a lot of, a lot of strong opinions when we're talking about the IRA um there are certain things that I do want to cover in history um but I'm trying to find a way to do them that doesn't offend anybody or doesn't put me in the firing line and I don't mean a literal firing line I mean uh you know sort of a verbal firing line I'm not saying that if I start talking about the IRA I'm going to get shot but I think I probably could deal with quite a bit of backlash so um Yes, it's something that I will be covering, but again, I've got to be a little bit, a little bit careful about that one. Um, so, like I said, 1984. Uh, sorry, moving forward, 1986. Prince Andrew uh, actually marries as well, and we'll go forward a couple more years to 1992. And this was the start of possibly one of the most famous decades in royal, more modern royal history. So 1992, the Princess Royal, which is Princess Margaret, which is a Queen's sister, and Captain Phillips get divorced. Might not seem like a big deal, but in the royal family, getting divorced is pretty much against the rules. And the Duke and Duchess of York, which is Andrew and his wife of only six years, uh, separate so this again another thing that's not really common in the royal family and later in that year Windsor Castle is hit by a fire now Windsor Castle is poss- well I would say it's more of a family home to our Queen and their family more so than Buckingham Palace um, Buckingham Palace is obviously the central state home in London um, it's right in the centre of London. It's got the biggest or the widest road in the world, that which is the Mall, that goes all the way down to it. Um, the reason that is so wide, for those of you who don't know, um, the reason the Mall is so wide is during the Second World War, if the king was uh, in Buckingham Palace, it was so they could get a fighter jet uh, or a fighter plane or a bomber down the Mall to land turn around to Buckingham Palace, pick up the king, get him out of the country. So it was a makeshift runway, which is why it's so wide. So there we go, a little bit of random history for you guys. But Windsor Castle was hit by a fire. Now, the government suggested at the time that the people should pay for the refurbishment of Windsor Castle. And this was met with some serious backlash. And I mean serious, serious backlash. Like I said... The royal family are not as well well appreciated in this country as you may think. There is a growing contingent of people that do not like them. Um, and when something like this happens and the government suggests that we should pay for it, people turn around and go, well, we don't even want the royal family, so why should we pay for it? Now, the Queen, in her wisdom, decided to pay for the damages herself, um, and it was taken out of the royal funds so we ended up not paying for it and the queen paid for it herself so she was aware of the concerns and it was dealt with that way and the following year the queen for the first time in any monarch's history started paying income tax to the government in 1993 so not only is the queen now paying she's paying her way 
you know and this is something that's never happened in royal society but they were aware of the like i said the growing discontent towards them um and this was how they made their change uh, they they did that 1996 prince of wales divorces diana again a really bad thing andrew duke of york divorces his wife as well in the same year um, and in 1997, and I'm pretty sure everybody remembers this, Princess Diana died in a car crash uh, in Paris. So up to 1997, it's a really, really bad uh, bad decade. You know, seven years of, you know, they say seven years of bad luck. Um, it really was from 1992 to 1997. This was possibly the worst few years the royal family had ever, ever seen. Um, and when you talk about controversy that the royal family has had to deal with like this, um, I really, you sort of got to admire them, the fact that they're still there and the fact that the Queen kept going. And, and the reason this Prince Philip is so important in this is Prince Philip was the man by her side. He was the most important man that she went to at the end of the day when there was things going wrong in, in that, you know, children are getting divorced uh the, the probably the the most famous princess of all time um dies in a car crash you know the man that was there keeping everything together was prince philip he was the the rock that, that held everyone together um and later in 1997 uh the queen and the duke had their golden wedding anniversary so you know there was a little bit of celebration i suppose um, 1999 they had a bit quite quite a busy demanding schedule um, and it took its toll um, while accompanying the Queen on a state visit to South Korea Prince Philip fell asleep at a banquet so again <laughs> he was just that type of a bloke he just you know this is what I mean when I say he was he was a funny man he just but he, he you know he most people would have cared that you can't, how can he fall asleep at a banquet well, well this is Prince Philip he you know he doesn't he's not really bothered you know either you were boring him or he was just tired um so we'll go to we'll go to the millennium now in the year 2000 the queen mother uh she actually reached 100 years old so for the first time in history the queen had to write a letter to her own mother uh, i don't know whether she did that uh, i would assume she probably did uh, for those of you who don't know if you are a british subject and you reach 100 years old in this country, you get a letter from the Queen, you get a birthday card from the Queen that is signed by Her Majesty to say happy birthday and well done for reaching 100 years old. So, yeah, that's uh, just a little thing that our Queen does again. Just a little thing that she does for people in this country. 2002, uh, the Queen's Golden Jubilee. So, again, a, a big day of celebration, 50 years on the throne, and... Uh, unfortunately for the queen although this was a a very a very good year i suppose um it it had some really sour points um the queen's younger sister um princess margaret died um in 2002 and so did her mother as well so it was a sort of a, a bittersweet year um in that in that essence you know i remember i always remember the golden jubilee i remember the parties and i remember you know, shutting off the streets and playing football in the streets and having uh, bouncy castles and literally everybody came out. They they shut basically the whole country shut down for the golden jubilee. It was it was fantastic. Um, but I also remember the Queen Mother's funeral um, later in the year. So um, and that was quite a sad time. So I, I do uh, you know I can, I can imagine that was quite a quite an emotional year. We uh, have another quote by prince philip in 2002 which uh i shall i shall i shall leave that to the end so I just read it it is quite funny uh 2005 the princess of uh, the princess sorry the prince of wales marries uh camilla park bowles so for those of you who have seen the crown this is the woman he's been after his entire life and he finally got to marry her um and I'm not sure how true that story is or how close to the truth it is um but there was uh, enough enough stuff going through the papers 
during his uh, marriage to Diana to suggest that um, he spent more time with Camilla than he did with Diana. Um, so yeah, so he, he finally got to marry the woman of his dreams in 2005. And in 2007, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh uh, celebrated their diamond wedding anniversary. So again, another massive landmark. 2008, the Duke's health starts to deteriorate a little bit. He's uh, he's put into hospital with a chest infection, um, and he's forced to cancel a lot of uh, a lot of his engagements, a lot of his charity events, and things like that. Um, he spends three nights in hospital. In 2009, the Duke of Edinburgh becomes the longest-serving royal consort in British history, overtaking Queen Charlotte, who is the wife of King George III. Uh, for those of you who have just gone, hang on a minute, Queen Charlotte, wife of King George III, how can you have a king and a queen at the same time when you have a queen and Prince Philip? And whether you think it's sexist or you're a feminist or whatever, the fact of the matter is king beats queen. It beats queen in chess. You cannot have a queen who is biologically the queen and her husband be king because the king would take precedence over the queen. So unfortunately, when it comes to royal protocol, if you have a king, biological king, you can have a bi- you can have a queen who is by marriage. You cannot have a king by marriage. So don't take it out with me. Take it out with the royal family if you if that offends you for whatever reason. But fact is fact. It's like a game of chess. You can have a you can win a game of chess without a queen, but you can't win a game of chess without a king. It's very similar. So, 2010, Buckingham Palace announces that Prince Philip will step down as patron or president of more than a dozen organizations when he turns 90. This is because he's getting a bit older and a lot of he has so much to do. Um, it, it might not seem like he does a lot, but you know, when you're talking 50, 60 charitable organizations that he's head of, he's got to be involved in everything. You know, he's and not only that, he's by the Queen's side, so everything the Queen's involved in, he's involved in that too. Everything that his grandsons are involved in they will go to him for advice everything that his son his his daughter everything that they're involved in they go to him for advice he was the man in charge you know he's he's still the man of the the, the head of the family he's still the man you know in in the, when you look at it in that old fashioned style he's still the head of the household he might not be queen of england you know in hierarchy maybe he's not as high up as the queen but in you know in the household he was still the man of the house and i think um you know it's it's something that has got to be quite hard to deal with you know especially when you are a little bit old-fashioned you're talking about um head of the family but yet you're head of the family inside the house outside the house you're second in command um and I, I think that's that must have been well something that he probably had to just just deal with um i think that's something i would find that not me personally because i've said it a million and one times my wife wears the trousers in my house it's not me um but you know i i would find if i was from that type of a background that would be that would be culturally quite difficult following year april 2011 possibly one of the most famous weddings in history prince william marries kate middleton at westminster abbey um this was beamed around the world millions and millions and millions of people watched it possibly the most famous wedding of all time uh june 2011 the duke celebrates his 90th birthday and the queen gives him a new title just to add to the 50 he's already got he becomes lord high admiral uh, head of the Royal Navy. Um, I mean, that is not really. He he wasn't head of the Royal. I mean, he was in title, but he wasn't the man directing the ships or anything like that. It's just a title. So he just because he was Lord High Admiral, he was not. You know, he wasn't still part of the. Na- it's a it's a weird one, but yeah, I'm sure you guys can understand it. It's just a title. It's not a, a fact that he was still in the Royal Navy at 90 years old. Um, 
Later that year, though, Christmas 2011, I, I remember this vividly, the Duke was rushed to hospital by helicopter after suffering chest pains. He spent four nights in hospital, including Christmas Day. Now, this was the one where everybody thought, ah, he's 90 years old, he's not He's not going to come out of this. You know, they thought, they thought he'd had a heart attack. You know, to be rushed to hospital by helicopter, not even be able to spend Christmas Day with your family... Uh, well, I don't know whether he spent it with his family, but at least not at home. Um, I think it was a lot of people in this country thought this is it. Um, but no, it wasn't. Uh, 2012, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Um, now, the Duke was again ill. He he was forced to miss most of the celebrations. Um, he was ill um, with a bladder infection in 2012. He was treated for that and spent five nights in hospital. And he also missed the opening of the Paralympic Games uh, in 2012. He was there for the opening of the Olympic ceremony, but he missed the Paralympic ceremony um, due to being in hospital. Um, For those of you who don't know, possibly one of the best and worst things to hit London was the 2012 Olympic Games. Um, It was very, very good um, and very, very expensive for anyone who was English. Um, June 2013... Two days after the service to mark the Queen's 60th anniversary of her coronation, he's hospitalised again um, and spends two months recuperating from um, an operation on his abdomen. July 2013, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, for those of you who don't know who that is, that's William and Kate, uh, their first son is born, Prince George. We now have a line to the throne again so not only do we have um charles we have charles william and george so pretty much the royal family the line is intact now um it will take a lot to change that um may 2015 prince charlotte is born as well and september 2015 the queen becomes the longest reigning monarch in british history she overtakes queen elizabeth The following year, April 2016, the Queen celebrates her 90th birthday and later that year, Prince Philip turns 95. In 2016, in October, the Queen becomes the longest reigning, still surviving monarch in the world after the death of the King of Thailand. And later in that year, October, sorry, November 2016, the Duke of Edinburgh has officially opened the new Brompton Bicycle Factory in Greenwich. So again, just another little thing that he does. He opens uh, things like that. They open hospitals, they open um, buildings, everything. They do so much for this country that people don't actually realise. The following year, January 2017, both the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh have heavy colds and it cancels their plans to spend Christmas in Sandringham um, and it this like I said this sort of goes on until January 2017 so the Queen it's it's a very strange setup but Sandringham is in Norfolk it is the Queen's holiday home I suppose um, they tend to spend a lot of time at Buckingham Palace uh, when they want to get away from London they go to Windsor which is just outside of London, it's not too far, and their holiday home is Sandringham House. So the Queen, I mean, realistically, if you want to be really picky, the Queen owns every every single blade of grass in this country, every single brick, every single stone, and if she wants to, she can take everything you own off you. She doesn't exercise that right, but realistically, um, she could do whatever she wants. Um, that's not how it goes in this country, obviously. Um, but just to give you an idea, they they pretty much, if they want to go on holiday, they can go anywhere. They're, any castle, any uh, major house, um, they have an estate in Scotland. That they're just there are a lot of places where they tend to find themselves. But the three main ones are Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, and Sandringham House. Just so you know. Uh, May 2017, Buckingham Palace announces that the Duke of Edinburgh is going to retire from royal duties. And this was um, met with sort of tributes and um, a a lot of uh, newspapers and uh, news media outlets in this country sort of went 
a little bit berserk and started showing all montages of Prince Philip and how or what he's done for this country and and so on and so forth it was uh you know it was sort of like a an end of an era uh later in that uh, in that month uh Philip then 95 is out and about carriage driving in Windsor uh so he's at uh at a horse show and this might not seem that important but at 95 years old he's been in and out of hospital for the last few years they've just told him that he is not to be doing uh public events so to actually see him out and to see that he is well was sort of a a boost for the british people and something that it you know it was uh i suppose it was just to show that he was doing well and that he wasn't uh, he wasn't near the end um next month he turns 96 uh june 2017 uh, the Queen and Philip visit Slough Railway Station in Berkshire to mark the 175th anniversary of the first rail journey by a monarch. There you go, a little uh, random fact of history. Uh, the Duke also helps the Queen mark her official 91st birthday at the annual Trooping of the Colour, which uh, is something that, for those of you who don't know, um, it's just a ceremony that happens every year, Trooping of the Colour, um, and they do it on the Queen's birthday. It's just a military parade. It's really, really spectacular to watch. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, the way the British Army um, does things like this is is second to none. Um, I do think a lot of countries have a lot of traditions. Um, and I just think ours, when it, you look at the trooping of the colour and um, the guards outside Buckingham Palace, and um, mainly these are Grenadier guards, they are just they're just amazing you know I, I really massive admiration for for these guys uh june uh we're still in june <laughs> philip spends the day at royal ascot where temperatures are hot and the dress code for the royal enclosure is relaxed for the first time in history royal ascot is a racing event um the dress code is um how we say top hat and tails you know, it's uh, very, very posh. Um, the Obviously, the weather was that hot that uh, he was uh, not, didn't have to wear, wear the full suit. They could uh, actually look, look like they were enjoying themselves for once. Um, the following day, uh, he was actually admitted into hospital for a two-night stay. Um, we don't really know a huge amount. Um, they say it was a precautionary... Um, infection from a from a treatment that he'd had, um, and it was just precautionary. It wasn't anything to worry about. Um, but nonetheless, he was ninety six years old, and he was in hospital for two days. So that can't be a good sign. And later that year, um, for the first time, uh, Philip joins the Queen as she watches from a balcony. Um, this is November the twelfth, so this is uh, Remembrance Sunday. Um, for the first time, um, he watched rather than laying a wreath at the cenotaph in London, um, and this was this just shows like a, his deteriorating health. Um, the following year, he wasn't pres- he wasn't present um, at the Easter ceremony in Windsor. Um, he was back in hospital again, April uh, two thousand and eighteen. Um, he was 97 um, that year as well. He was well enough at 97 to attend the wedding of his granddaughter, Princess Eugene, which was the first of the grandchildren to to get married. The uh, Christmas celebrations he misses as well that year, um, but they, they said he, he was in good health. Um, but the following month, January 2019, this was all over all over the world this uh he had a car crash um in a his land rover which he flipped uh just outside of sandringham um he flipped his land rover uh quite a bad accident and he was then photographed a few days later driving his land rover again um this was this this was massive controversy in this country not only was he uh driving again at 97 years old when people said he probably shouldn't have been driving um he was driving without a seatbelt so uh 
yeah, he got a lot of stick for that, let's be honest. And then COVID hit. The royal family moved to Windsor Castle in uh, 2020. Um, it was called HMS Bubble, for those of you who want to play along with the joke here. Um, and this was as the nation went into a, a lockdown. He was uh, he was part of that. He went to, to Windsor Castle. Um, they were in lockdown, I would say, pretty much all the way um, up to the end. He... He was back in hospital uh, that year as well, um, a few times, but was obviously in and out. Um, and then 2021, obviously where we are now, um, he was he was in hospital uh, in March. He was in hospital in February for a few days. Then again in March, um, he was visited by um, Prince Charles in March. This is something that. Um, again sparked a bit of controversy because we were supposed to be in a national lockdown um, but Prince Charles drove I think it was 150 round miles um, to to visit him um, I think the outrage was not so much against Prince Charles because I think we all sort of knew um, the end of March that the end was near I think everyone sort of Realise that this lockdown had been going on a little bit too long and even the royals had got fed up with it basically and unfortunately on the 9th of April 2021 um, Buckingham Palace uh, issued a statement that His Royal Highness Prince Philip the Duke of Edinburgh had died um, the statement reads um, it is with deep sorrow that Her Majesty the Queen announces the death of her beloved husband His Royal Highness the Prince Philip Duke of Edinburgh His Royal Highness passed away peacefully this morning at Windsor Castle further announcements will be made in due course the Royal Family join with people around the world in mourning his loss so that is the story um, of his life so I've just found something uh, that gives some of the best quotes for Duke of Edinburgh and I think it's uh, quite important to listen to this um, because it just shows you his sense of humour um, commenting on the Duke of York's house the Duke of York is Prince Andrew uh, he said it looks like a tart's bedroom uh, when he was he was overheard at Bristol University saying it doesn't look like much work goes on at this university Um in approaching his 90th birthday uh, he was quoted saying that he was that old bits of him were starting to fall off um, in 2004 he said bugger the table plan give me my dinner at a state dinner um, which yeah he's just not <laughs> you just don't do that but um, he went to the Scottish Women's Institute in 1961 and said British women couldn't cook uh, which is probably not the best thing to say um, when he was talking to Tom Jones uh, after the Royal Variety performance in 1960, uh, 1969, he said, what do you gargle with? Pebbles. And then he added, it's difficult to see how it's possible to become immensely valuable by singing what are the most hideous songs. And I kind of agree with him. I think Tom Jones is pretty shit, to be honest. Um, at the Duke of Edinburgh Award scheme in 2006, he said young people are the same as they always were, just ignorant. Um, and he's right, let's be honest, he's right. Um, on a visit to Canada in 1969, he said, I declare this thing open, whatever it is. Talking about Canada, which, uh, you know, probably not the, uh, the best quote he ever said. Um, at a project... Uh, to protect turtle doves in Ant Anguilla in 1965 he said cats kill far more birds than men why don't you have a slogan kill a cat save a bird so, <laughs> which I think is quite funny um, he was also quoted saying a few things um, he, he actually said to a group of NHS workers um, at one point um are there any of you left in your own country? Because for any of you who do know the British NHS system, it is filled with immigrant nurses and doctors that keep our system running. Um, yeah, not his best quote, but quite funny, I suppose. Um, on a trip to Kenya, 
he said to the king of Kenya or a king of a tribe in Kenya why have you got grass on your head um, to which the queen had to prompt him that he was wearing a crown to which Prince Philip then replied it looks like grass to me um, he also was quoted saying a few things um, he went to Australia they asked him if he had a criminal record to which he replied I didn't know that was still a requirement for those of you who don't know Australia used to be where we sent our criminals um, he also made a joke about uh, Chinese people having slitty eyes um, at a Chinese banquet so yeah n- not his best move um, he also made a, um, a, a story where he was talking to British students in China where he said if you stay here any longer you'll start to get slanty eyes um, at Australia, when he was in Australia he asked an Aboriginal if they still threw spears at each other um, yeah these are just, just a handful of his best best one liners I suppose um, you can take them at face value, you can take them as racist, you can take them as old fashioned or you can just take them as, as a joke or an old man saying things um, you know that, that an old man says, you know, he, he said, uh, we, did, we don't come to Canada for our health. We can think of other ways of enjoying ourselves. Um, he said, when a man opens a car door for his wife, it's either a new car or a new wife. Um, I, I don't think a prostitute is more moral than a wife. They are doing the same thing. Yeah, so make your own opinion up. But I think, um, I think he was just, he was just a lovely man. He was he was funny. He had a sense of humour to him. Um, he'd been through a very hard life for when you consider his upbringing. Maybe not so much when he was living the life of luxury at Windsor Castle and Buckingham Palace, but at least his early life, um, he was no different to anybody else, um, other than his bloodline. You know, he was he was a. a a wonderful addition to this country and he will be missed um with his military background and the fact that he will be having a military funeral in England um i feel that it is appropriate to end this with the last post um this will be played at his funeral um it is probably one of the most tear-jerking um bugle playing songs i suppose not a song tune ever um so yeah rest in peace prince philip duke of edinburgh and thank you for listening remember we all have history make yours great bye-bye Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. 
Something you probably don't know? The average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know? A falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.